Well, hello there, friends. This is episode 55 of This Good Word, and the word this week is parenthood. I sat down with Jim and Lynn Jackson, my dear friends, who have written a book called Discipline That Connects With Your Child's Heart, Building Faith, Wisdom, and Character in the Messes of Daily Life. And we had a rollicking conversation about parenthood, how hard it is, where God fits into that, where grace fits into that, uh, where your own personal health fits into that, and it is so good. I love what Jim and Lynn have to say about parenthood, and I love their framework that they use. It's really, actually, it makes sense, and it requires grace, and it requires someone that's willing to do their own work, but it is not complex. It is something that really makes sense. So because I believe in their book so much, I'm going to give a copy of their book away. Again, Discipline That Connects With Your Child's Heart, Building Faith, Wisdom, and Character in the Messes of Daily Life. If you email me, steve at steveweens.com, and give me a juicy reason why you need this book. I have one book to give away. I would love to mail it to you. Uh, And so just email me, and perhaps you will get it in the mail. I promise I will send one to someone. So, but you have to email me first. Secondly, you know that I've been on this 40-day fast from social media, from podcasting, and from blogging. I have lots to say about that, so I'm going to dial into that on next week's podcast. So make sure to tune into that. Uh, But for now, get into this conversation with Jim and Lynn. You can buy their book uh, on the link that I will provide on my show notes. I encourage you to do that. This is one of the great ones. And there's a lot of information out there about parenting. Not all of it is good. In fact, not much of it is good. This is a resource that I trust, and I think it's great. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Jim and Lynn Jackson. Well, here we are, This Good Word, with my special friends, Jim and Lynn Jackson. Hi, you guys. Hey, good to be here. Oh my goodness. So we're in Chaska, Minnesota, which uh, the home of, and I'm looking outside and there is just, there's trees everywhere. There's a little babbling brook down that we could have (laughs) recorded, but it's about 93 degrees outside. So we chose, (laughs) and it is humid. It is humid. Um, But I am in Jim and Lynn's home and I'm talking to them because they're they're just coming out with uh, a fantastic book. I got to read the advanced reader copy, and it's called Discipline That Connects With Your Child's Hearts by Baker Bethany. And so Jim and Lynn, I mean, I, we've known about each other and known each other for, I don't know, maybe maybe eight years or something like that. Um, and I was always really interested and curious about your parenting model because it's, it's quite different than some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not prescriptive. There's a lot of grace, and I have you know I have three kids that are honestly uh, a lot of times they're 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 it, I don't know what to do, and so <laughs> I look at your stuff because it's really really helpful. Hmm. So you're a part of a ministry called Connected Families, and you've been doing it for about 14 years. That's so right. talk to me about why you got into it uh, in the first place. Hmm. Uh, well, we had our own disconnected family to begin with. We were struggling at home, truthfully, and, yeah. and as ministry professionals, both of us, and then people helping professionals. We were trying to pay attention to what was going on with us, uh, with the other the other people's kids that we were working with, and, and, and you know, we found that there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all approach to, to parenting. And I was working with high-risk kids, a place called Treehouse, love the youth ministry Treehouse, uh, and we started working with parents uh, before even before I had kids old enough to really think about parenting, uh, and then as as that work grew and some of the ideas that we knew helped in my work with other people's kids, um, it was starting to help those parents. I was like, well, these ideas might just work here too in our home. Let's be thoughtful and talk about that a little bit together. So, uh, you know, this background of helping other people's kids and then those kids' parents. 
really gave me a passion to come alongside parents in a, in a helpful way. And a lot of the parents that were coming to us were coming from the church. Yeah. And they were saying the formulas that we're getting, the books we're reading, the stuff that we're, it's not helping. But what you're telling us is really helping. Could, could you make it easier for us to get a, a, a hold of it and to remember it? And so we started being pretty diligent to, to try to capture the principles that we were thinking about without being prescriptive about how each parent should do that, that principle. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my deal. Yeah, and I came to it um, as just a mom that struggled terribly with being controlling, legalistic, frustrated, frustrating my children, exasperating them <laughs> regularly with that, and, and just feeling at such a dead end with some of the prescriptive, legalistic, you know, spank for every disobedience kind of teaching that we were exposed to at the time. Yeah. And so it was really a journey for me to come to a place of, really embracing that I could parent with grace and focus mm-hmm. on my relationship with my kids um, and through that begin to guide them into wise choices. And when I figured that, we've started to figure that out, it was like really energizing to, oh, let's mm-hmm. share this with other parents. Wow. I think that is such a big deal. I mean, with my kids, I know what it's like to move toward them and they move toward me, even in hard times and discipline Mm -hmm. and I know what it feels like to lose it and to watch them sort of subtly retreat and then to feel the shame of Mm -hmm. oh my goodness and you know it's like the you sort of who's going to get the most out of control (laughs) your kid or your your parents so um or yourself I mean so when you say parenting with grace versus legalism or control I mean I know what you mean because I grew up in the church (laughs) Yeah. And that's sort of the prescription from the church. I mean, it sort of is. But I don't think everyone knows what you mean when you say, I really I really learned how to parent with grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so, um, you know, it starts with, uh, I think God gives all of us as parents good intentions. Yeah. And I mean, you just spoke to this. I want to do well by my kids, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so that's a gift. Uh a little bit of work to just receive that. Like, hey, God, you made me with good intentions. Yeah, I blow it sometimes, but you you made me with good intentions. For us, it was the starting place, and it's the starting place for helping guide other parents, um, you know, into this place of of thinking more gracefully about, about parenting. But grace is an idea, and what parents tend to do with these good intentions is they... They translate it into behavior. I got to get my kids to behave a certain way. So I'm going to gracefully do the best that I can to get my kids to behave the way that I think they should. Hmm. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's actually sometimes the easiest to demonstrate this rather than talk yeah. about it because because yeah. we we like to you know it's a little more awkward uh, in a podcast setting than <laughs> yeah, it is yeah, yeah. in in real life. But um, you know, to role play out some sort of a scenario that sort of shows how good intentions stall us out yeah. and become ungrace. And then the way of thinking that we've sort of helped parents with and discovered ourselves to, to just thinking our way, praying our way, uh, receiving our way really into uh, a more graceful way. Yeah. And it's really about making a shift from focusing on behavior to focusing on what are the messages of God's grace that I would want my kids to experience. Yeah. And what are the messages of grace that if I'm having a hard time helping them to experience, maybe I need to do some work before I deal with their misbehavior to work on receiving myself for me. Mm-hmm. Wow. So the demonstration, um, and you can help us with this, um, we'll put together a little discipline scenario, parent, pa- parent to child discipline scenario. And you can either watch, Lynn and I do this, or you can participate oh, I'm if in. you want. You're in. <laughs> I'm in. Okay, so, so um, I'll play the role of a parent. Okay. Um, uh, and you, you two want to be siblings? Or do you, uh, <laughs> I mean, we've, I don't think we've ever done siblings in a radio show. Oh. We could do it. But so, yeah, yeah. so, um, and I, I, you know, I want to warn right now, uh, anybody listening, don't look for the right answer here because right. I'm, we're, you know, we're just going to play our way through this and see how it works. But we're going to do what we've experienced, Lynn and I, to be the typical thing. I'm going to do typical parenting. Yeah. So, so let's figure out who you are for a second. You're, you're. He's my older brother because okay. I have baggage about older brothers. All right. Okay. So older brother. <laughs> so it's going to feel really and, easy for you to channel anger. And, to and me. how old do you want to be in this? I want to be 15. 15 year old older yeah. brother. Yeah. Okay. And so. When, when your um, youngest older brother was 15, you were about 10 or 9 or something like mm-hmm. that. And yeah, so, yeah. So, and obnoxious, you know, oh, big glitter glasses. Yeah, and, so yeah. there was some teasing, mm-hmm. older to younger, and there was some sassing and sarcasm going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
so so um, let's set up the scenario then. Um, I'm dad. I've just gotten home from work. Uh, um, or I've just come from outside or whatever. It doesn't matter where I've been. I'm, I've got a little stress of my own from the day, uh, various things at home and various things on my job and various things in my marriage are stressing me out just a bit. Uh, and I don't like that my kids are out of control and disrespecting each other. And I've read some things that tell me that I am um, need to require obedience and make sure that my kids follow my leadership in the home. Okay. I can't wait to see how it's going to go. So don't you kids mess with me. So you two, well, you make up your little thing. That's me. That's all I know right now. And we've been struggling with this. You've had some consequences for it. I've threatened to take yeah. your driving privileges away as those yeah. are coming up right 15, now. Keep, so, I mean, your, I mean, I'm keep clearly... treating your sister this way. You're going to lose the car. Okay. I'm listening to some bebop, obnoxious right. girl band. You pick little what Justin it is. Because right. you probably know. A little little Bieber. Bieber. I'm a little Bieber. Bieber. She's a Bieber. Yep, yep. <laughs> and you come in and you're just like annoyed with me. Okay. Does okay. that work for you? Got it. it. Yep. So, so uh, you, you two can start just a little bit. Lynn's got her her iPhone with her and she's listening to the music. And Steve, you're, you're going to start doing your thing. And as you begin, I'll, I'll come into the scene. Okay. Hey, uh, Lynn, your music is driving me absolutely crazy. Well, then go someplace no, else. I don't I, have I any place to first. go. No. Listen, I am so kids. You kids, go get some headphones sit. or something. Kids, how many times do we have to go over this? You stop that right now. Steve, yes, if you don't. always jumping on me. I do, do not I interrupt me. I cannot do, take it anymore. You're, you're going to lose you your like, iPhone. You don't like You're going to lose Bieber. your car privilege. You don't like you Justin talk Bieber. to me that way. Yeah, you shouldn't talk right. to him that way. That is it. Give me that iPhone. What? Uh, He's you're, the one see, that started it. See, no more believer. No oh! more. Yeah, Steve. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Lynn, go to your room. Get out of here. Oh, you, go on. you go on right now, or you're going to lose more privileges. Steve, she's going to her room. You, young man, have this is enough. You are putting me to the test more and more by the day, and you're not only going to lose car privileges. If if you think that car privilege is a big deal to lose, you just keep putting us to the test, young man. Dad, you, don't you even Dad, talk back to me. You Dad, listen. Dad. All right, what I, do you want to say? I, I, I need my car, and you know I need my car. You, you know what? That's going to be your problem. I have football practice. I have my girlfriend. And uh, and uh, there's no way that you're going to take away my car because I didn't want to listen to just Justin Bieber. Listen, there's no chance. I-, I am sick and tired of your attitude, your disrespect, your talking back, your teasing your sister. If you don't believe me, you just keep it up. Now go on to your things and do whatever it is that you think you want to do, but just keep in <laughs> whatever. mind. Whatever. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. I'm going. Just put it to the test, young man, and you'll see. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got him, Dad. <laughs> I got a little too into that. Is it a little repressed? Something going on there, Steve? We got, I think what? Steve's going to be writing a new book about his inner child. <laughs> wow, where did that come from? <laughs> well, it's funny, right? How natural it becomes to act that way. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it comes it comes more natural to me than I would like to, because mm-hmm. there's this crazy default in us that goes to this place of self protection and. Uh, irrational thinking and but so it's driven by good intentions right yeah. like like there, we all all three of us in this scenario have some good intentions that went haywire um, from the parental perspective what we talk about with parents all the time is just identifying okay if you if you're looking at what you just saw uh, through the parents lens and parents often identify with what they see and we've even had parents say well were you were you in my house yeah <laughs> you know yeah. last night or last week um, we ask them simply to say, well, uh, you know, when you watch that parenting, what, uh, what, what does the parent desire? Based on how mm. that parent parented, what would you say is that parent's good intentions? What do they want for their kids to be learning? And we make a list yeah. um, of the good intentions. And what are they? Well, I mean, what I observed, like you were, you, you, you were trying to get the kids to just get along. Yeah, you know? so, so I want my kids yep. to get along. I yep. want them to respect each other. Yep. I want them to learn to not interrupt. I yep. want them to learn to respect me. I want them to learn to take responsibility for their things and yep. for their space. Those are all good things. Yeah. And, and I've got good desires around that. And then I engage the way that I do. And when I do, without being thoughtful about it, typically parents aren't thoughtful about this. This is what we invite parents to start being more thoughtful about, is that I 
communicate messages to my kids about uh, not so much about their behavior just yet. I mean, their behavior stuff is in there and the values that I want them to learn, they're there. But if I was to interview the kids after an interaction like that and say, yeah. you know, based on how your dad just taught, treated you, uh, if he was communicating to you messages about who you are that begin with the words, Lynn, you are, or Steve, you mm -hmm. are, blank, how would you fill in that blank based on what you saw the parent do, looking at this through the kid's eyes, not through the parent's good intentions? Yeah. Oh. And, 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 and so the question is, what yeah. messages did you get from me in that skit yeah. about who you are? Yeah. Well, I certainly got messages of I'm irritating. Um, my ideas and my preferences don't count because it was just like go away. So you're turn an irritation. Your you're yep. invalid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm out of control, so I need to be managed. You know, I I I need to be taken out all my all my stuff. So you're stuff. out of control. Yep. 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 You, uh, you, you're He's a problem. <laughs> you're a problem. You're a pain. So so, and it's interesting because when when parents, you know, and and it's happened to all of us, right? But when we get kind of ourselves engage in all the emotions of this yeah. we start communicating a message about that too which is kids you're you're in, you're in charge of my emotional well-being right oh my gosh which is yes. you know it's subtle but kids are watching they're paying attention yep. and they start to know it and and um, you know like I said this happens to parents all of us I don't yeah. know I don't know any parent who hasn't had this happen but if it becomes normative and we're not learning to be more and more thoughtful about what's happening, uh, and and starting to talk about it and maybe change some things, um, our kids start to take these messages on not just as a one-time thing, but as identity. Yeah, mm -hmm. and they're looking to us for that, and they get discouraged and they start acting according to that identity. Whenever I'm around, anyway, if yeah. not beyond, because parents or kids look to their parents to help them figure out a whole lot more than just how to behave. They look to their parents to help them figure out who they are. Yes. Well, and that's a part of a God-given calling as parents. Yes. And when it comes out in this way, that calling is sort of subverted for unhelpful purposes. Right. So then we ask parents, uh, so if those aren't the messages, like, we, you know, raise your hand. If that's a message right. you want to communicate to your kids, raise your hand. Well, of course, nobody does. Um, so what are the messages you want to communicate to your kids? What are the messages in your presence, even at times like this, that you would love it if your kids could grow up embracing as their identity? And, uh, you know, they give a whole big list, right? What's some of the things they say? Like, mm -hmm. Well, certainly you are loved. Yep. Um, you're unique. Um, you're worth my time. Uh, you're created for good purposes. Those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I th what happens in those rooms with those parents? Because, you know, they come in, I assume, exasperated. They, they've, they've, I mean, because if they're hitting home runs as parents they're probably not in your yeah. workshops so yeah. they're, they're they're feeling like they're at you know and then they hear other parents sort of say oh yeah me too and oh this is what i want yeah. what what happens in the room well it's interesting uh, th there have been many times where in that space between what are the messages that you or what are the things you want your kids to learn like we've had parents after making that list. Yeah. Well, even to back up, we've had parents after the parent does this strong arm parenting yeah, go, yeah. yeah, right on. Like they, <laughs> like that parent thinks they're hitting a home right, run until right. we get to, to the next phase of this this thinking right. because they think that was maybe the demonstration of how you ought to do this. Yeah. I mean, literally, we've had parents do that. Not many, but it happens. But then in the space between you know that list of here's all the stuff we want for our kids and and then the demonstration of what happens and then we ask the question, well, what messages uh, in light of these things you want your kids to be learning, what messages are you communicating to them? Yeah. P parents, as we start to get into that, uh, you know, kind of have the scales fall off of their eyes and the t scales also, f you know, uncover their tear ducts. And yeah. we get a lot of tears and, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is not what I want to be doing. Yeah. And it's a, it's, 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 it's a hard, but I think an important way to help parents understand it's the tears are not about you're a bad parent. The tears are about this isn't your heart. Yeah. This isn't what you want to be doing. Right. So so let's let's now move toward the encouragement that we believe you're looking for. How do you put wind under the wings of these good intentions that you have yeah. in a, in a more palpable sort of a way? Wow. And so and so then we move into the, you know the question, um, you know what would it look like if instead of going into a situation like that working to manage the behaviors not that we just forget about behavior but but what if our primary goal was to was to help kids believe these messages we want them to believe hmm. what do you need in order to do that and one of the things we've found that parents need is that they need it to be a simpler list this is yeah. what our book is like okay. you know 
we put these, you know, what, what, what messages do you want your kids to grow up to believe? And they'll put 15, 20 right. in a very short period of time, lots and lots of messages. Well, what are the, you know, Lynn and I, we worked with this early on. We were working with other people's, you know, other, other parents, parents of other kids. And, and, you know, we tried to like, is there a way to simplify this very complex, deep thing? And we came up with a, a list of really four messages yeah. that kind of encompass them. And, and those four messages um, are the outline for this book. And it starts with the message, you are safe with me. Wow. Because if kids don't feel emotionally um, and physically safe with us, it shuts down their ability to learn anything helpful other than just self-protective or aggressive reactions. And so um, starting with that, you're safe with me, uh, is really just that foundational you know, first base of, of just even getting anything um, helpful accomplished. And when kids feel safe, then they can um, receive the message, you are loved no matter what. If they don't mm. feel safe, they'll see that message as manipulation. Um, but if they feel safe, then they can open their hearts to us to really feel loved even when they screw up. Mm -hmm. And that you are loved no matter what message is so vital because it defines our relationship with God and His grace. Um, and it's really, these discipline situations are the um, unique golden opportunity to communicate unconditional love. Okay, that is, that is gold right there. Mm -hmm. can, you, can you say that again? Because I think I miss that as a parent so often. Say it again. Yeah. yeah. Discipline situations where our children are either misbehaving or they have just failed big time <clears throat> are the golden opportunity to truly communicate unconditional love. Wow. Because if we communicate it when they're doing well and we slap it up on Facebook and say, look at my kid, love this kid, first place again, or yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, we can create a performance-based cycle where they are, we put them on a treadmill to be seeking approval for the rest of their lives because that's what they equate with love. Yes. And so we love them when there's nothing really going on. That's way better. Yes. But the real challenge or the real way that we can communicate unconditional love in a way that kids won't miss it is when they have messed up to really make sure they know that. That doesn't mean they are off the hook, but it means they know that in the midst of this discipline situation, they are loved and valued. And that's what can really, that message can really turn the tide from these situations being so adversarial to being situations where you come out the other side and instead of feeling gut punched, you feel like, wow, I really connected with my child's heart in that situation. Yeah. Gosh, Lynn, that is just so, I, I, like, I just, I want to sort of, amen. Pause. That is so good. And yeah. I think as parents, um, just hearing that, it, it encourages me to do my work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it encourages me to, to um, yeah. Well, that, yeah, and that's where I was going to go with yeah. that, is that, it, is that um, I mean, we've had parents say to us, well, you know, I did that unconditional love thing and it didn't work. <laughs> right? Like, didn't work. Uh, okay, well, then it wasn't unconditionally offered because it, it, it's not supposed to work to do anything. It's just, supposed to, it's just supposed to land on your kids and it may take time. But, but a big piece of our work to get to a place where we can uh, freely love our kids regardless of how they behave um, is that we ourselves have to be doing this work of receiving, yeah. of receiving. And do I believe that God loves me and that I am loved even if my kids aren't acting the way that they ought to act yeah. or in a way that's best for them or according to my good intentions? Can I be okay even if my kids are struggling? And that's, you know, that's really the essence of learning about safety too. Yeah. So I, mm -hmm. I express, I become safe when I'm okay even if my kids are struggling and then out of that place then I can freely love my kids and I can smile even though they're struggling or challenging me. And I mean, I had to be careful as a young parent because my smile was forced and then it was sarcastic and then it was worse <laughs> than if I hadn't smiled at all, you know? Yeah. <laughs> all right, so you're safe with me. You're love no matter what. Those mm -hmm. are the first two. Yeah. Those really create kind of what we call a nest of grace mm. from which then to respond to the child's misbehavior. And um, so those next two messages are, you are called and capable. And wow. this is a perspective that my child has uniquely created for God's good purposes. He's called to use um, his, his or her gifts in a, an honoring way. <clears throat> and, he, and God has given them, that child, the gifts to be able to, to 
use those for honoring purposes. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, we had one, uh, our oldest child was strong-willed, could be defiant, certainly argued in our face, but he had absolutely gifts of leadership, determination, that, and a sense of justice. <laughs> yeah. That at first was, it's all about what's fair for Daniel, but over time became um, <clears throat> really what's fair for everyone and mm. particularly hurting people. And so viewing a child's struggles through that lens of they are a miracle created for God's purposes and I can bring out strengths in them even in this misbehavior or challenging situation. So that's the third message. Yeah, but tell the yapping dog thing. Oh, <laughs> that's kind of a crazy example of this principle, which yeah. when parents hear it, they're kind of like, what? I don't get it. So, okay. so this is Lynn in a, in a driver's seat, <laughs> mm -hmm. having thought these ideas for quite some time. Like, this is the kind of parent I want to be. Yeah. These are the messages I want my kids to, to get. And I know that if I just speak first, I'm much less likely to communicate the messages than if I buy some space. So, mm -hmm. okay. okay. So the, the backstory is I'd been nagging Daniel who had been uh, avoiding responsibilities. We were angry at each other. We get in the car to go to a school event and, and we're driving along and he kind of assesses our the dynamics of our relationship and says, mom, sometimes you're like a little dog yapping at my heels. <laughs> And let me tell you, if I'd had an objective button, he would have yes. been in the ditch, Gone. you know? And I knew if I say anything right now, <laughs> it's going to be so much worse. So I just shut up. Wow. I white-knuckled the wheel. I gritted my teeth and said nothing, which gave his words a chance to echo around the car a little bit and yeah. back into his ears. And after a while, he says, um, you're kind of quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well... That was pretty hard to hear, but I've been praying and asking God to show me what could be something good underneath the surface of that. And I believe he's shown me that you have a really strong gift for vivid word pictures. Wow. <laughs> and I almost surprised myself because like, I couldn't have come up with that. No. That was a Holy Spirit insight. Yeah. And at that point, I could have very logically said, how you're using that gift right now is not very helpful. And I'd like you to think about that and, and make that yeah. right. And do it better next yeah. time. Dang it. <laughs> but, I, but I went on because I felt like the Lord had said more to me. And I said, and I believe that how you're going to use that gift someday is going to draw, 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 draw people to understand his love. And then I just stopped. And Daniel thought for a minute. And he goes, I'm sorry, Mom. Wow. Because my gracious response to see the capability in him, even in that hurtful moment, absolutely turned his heart towards repentance. And it built his true respect of me so that he didn't, you know, get out of the car later. And then after having zipped his lip because I told him to be respectful. Right. Um, and then texted his friends about what a jerk I was. That's yeah. not respect at all. Yeah. His true respect of me grew in that moment. Um, and he did go on to have several amazing opportunities to preach God's love to two different student bodies that he was a part of. Um, but the fun part of the story is years later, I was again slipping into my nagging habit when he had his budding <laughs> photography business. And I was concerned because he hadn't called one of my friends back about pictures. And so <clears throat> he takes a breath and smiles and says, Mom, I appreciate your concern for my prep photography business. How you're showing that concern right now, though, is not very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. And he holds out his arms and he comes over and hugs me. Oh. And then he says, I learned it from you, you know. Oh. And that just blessed me. And he has been able to see the good in people even when mm. they're struggling. As we have, in our fumbling attempts, struggle to see the good in our kids wow that i mean so a lot of things are going on in my mind but when you said that to him in the car mm -hmm. when he said the like a dog yapping at my heels that reminded him that he was safe with you mm -hmm. and that he's loved no matter what because yep. when you say that kind of thing as a kid you kind of know that mm -hmm. it's you know what i mean you're like, a little it's, like you're not you're not totally oblivious that that's not the wisest thing to say to your parents. I, mean, right. I, I remember one time, 
Um, I told my dad he was cheap one time. Oh, dad. <laughs> You're so cheap. Well, my dad's one of the most generous people on the planet. And the minute it left my lips. <laughs> you wanted to pull it you know, back yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember how he responded, but it was, I think he just took a moment. But <laughs> but it, it also let him know, Daniel, that he was loved no matter what, because mm-hmm. he said this thing. And, um, and, and then that it boomeranged around back to you is so beautiful mm-hmm. yeah um and then that yeah. that statement what i said to him communicated loudly you are called yeah. and capable yeah. and he, when he heard that he went to mm-hmm. i am responsible for my actions yes. and he apologized is that the fourth? That's, that's the, the fourth f- one yeah. the fourth message is you are responsible for your actions and he just automatically did that himself i did not have to say so what do you think you want to say to me right now young man yes you know his heart his apology was so heartfelt and so often we settle for cheap forced apologies from our kids yeah that it's it's it feeds our sense of being in control but it so hurts the relationship Mm. and i just appreciated that that was his response to me in that time wow so how have you i know the kids are grown now but how have you helped each other in this because i mean sometimes parenting is kind of tag team like mm-hmm. when you're white knuckling it and you're about to absolutely lose. i mean is is there a partnering is there a helping each other to remember safe with each you know yeah so so um I mean, I think about six different answers to this. Uh, the first one I'll say is just really quick. We coach parents as part of our work yeah. in our ministry. And frequently when parents are, are in the office and we're working them through these four messages, one or the other of them will look at each other mm-hmm. and, they'll, and they'll say, you know what, how do we expect our kids to think we're mm-hmm. safe with them if we're not safe with each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, they, and, and uh, you know, a number of parents will sort of get stuck on that you are safe with me thing for a while because... They're recognizing we don't know about that. We didn't have people in our lives who were safe with us. Yeah. We haven't learned how to be safe with others, even with each other. So let's do, you know, let's let's learn some about that. Um, as it related to Lynn and me, um, you know, I'd say what what you know, you may even be able to gather this in the context of a little podcast here for those listening uh, and who don't know us, but we're very different human beings. Mm. And and we came to parenting with a very different set of rules about what it means to be a parent. Uh, they were unwritten. We didn't even know all of what they were. Yeah. And they would put us into various kinds of conflict with each other frequently. I, mm-hmm. I had come home from work and it was time to play. Yeah. And Lynn had been working all day with kids after school or whatever and yeah. trying to get order around here. And I would blow it all up in a heartbeat and now mom and dad are fighting well well the kids are over there doing whatever it is that they want to do again mm-hmm. and and understanding this or, or or you know subtly small ways hearing this message we're not only responsible for dad's emotional well-being we're responsible for the wellness of their relationship oh yeah mm-hmm. it's amazing how, what messages can get through <clears throat> even though they're never even close to be overtly stated. They yep. don't need to be. Mm-hmm. No, they don't need to be. Kids are yep. paying attention. I, I think kids are, are born to receive you are messages. And yes. the more that we as parents can be conscious, A, of what you are messages am I living by? Yes. And how am, mm-hmm. I, how am I reframing who I understand me to be and yes. what God's word tells me about me? And then how am I spilling that over to my kids with intent? So, so what happened for Lynn and I was that when we started to discover, yeah, these are the, this is the way we want to live. We want to be this way. All of a sudden, even though Lynn did it her way and I did it my way, um, it made it much more easy to respect one another's way because we were, tr- we were attempting to do the same thing, which yeah. is communicate these messages to kids. And so I'd come home and play and have fun, and she'd recognize that's about you know wanting to make sure the kids know that they're loved and that they're valuable, and that just because I was gone all day doesn't mean they're forgotten. Um, and but then when she would look at me from across the room, the way that she, <laughs> she would look at me, I would recognize okay, she's imparting a message to kids that you are responsible, mm-hmm. and I'm undermining that right now. Right. And so I don't want to do that because yeah. I want I want to be safe with her as yeah. well. And so it, it just helped us feel more mm-hmm. teamed in the effort. Was it perfect? No. And I mean, we still, we still, you know, our kids are grown and gone, and we're still working on the message, you're safe with me with each other. Mm. But what you're safe with me compels me to do in my relationship with her, in my relationship with my kids, in my relationship with board members, in my relationship with friends, is if, if something's haywire in this relationship, mm-hmm. 
I got to go to it and I got to make it right. I got to do my part to say, you know what, I, I blew it. Uh, here's how I th- thought you might have blown it, but maybe I'm wrong. Let's talk. Yeah, the you are safe with me message really shows up in reconciliation. And like I said, Daniel and I butted heads a lot. And there was one time when I can remember having to go back downstairs and thinking, okay, I'm the adult. I got to get this started. And I trudged down the steps thinking and thought, well, at least he'll know what to do because I'm modeling what to do when you blow it, you know. And I get down to his room and he's leaning back. He's got his hands behind his head on his bed, you know, just kind of grinning. And I walk in the room and he says, I knew you'd be here. No, it was, I knew you were coming. Oh. And at first I thought, you little stinker. And then I thought, he trusts me. Yeah. And that's a huge piece of safety. We all blow it. But if when we blow it, we know it and we go back and make it right, our kids can yeah. still ultimately feel safe. And actually, Daniel used those words to describe Jim. Because <laughs> he said, well, Dad, you get a little snippy sometimes. You still need to keep working on that you are safe message. But cosmically, you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Meaning, in the big picture, <laughs> yeah. you always make it right. Yeah. And that's, that really communicates to our kids, our relationship is precious to me, and yeah. I will do what I need to do and eat whatever humble pie I need to eat in order to safeguard that relationship. Yeah. And that's really, for us, what, what, for both Lynn and I, I think, probably more for me than for her, what these messages did was they helped me know when I was off track and that I had work to do to, to be mm-hmm. back on the track I wanted to be on with my kids and then go to it. Well, it's so interesting. You say kids are wired up to hear you are messages. Mm-hmm. Well, we all are, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, <clears throat> I still am. I'm wired up to hear, to want you yeah, yeah. are. You are capable. You are worthy of love and belonging. Mm-hmm. You are, and or you are worthless. You are yeah. boy. You really blew that one. I mean, you are I, not I, enough. Yeah, you are not There's enough. So much of that message in our culture. You are not enough. Yeah, and so this. I love this. This foundation that one really leads to another. Mm-hmm. You're safe with me. You're loved no matter what. I want to get this right. Um, you're called and capable, and you're responsible for your actions. And I really like that one, too, because I think, um, well, let me translate it into a question. Do you see us parents helicoptering oh, and yeah. taking responsibility <laughs> for the kids so that they don't feel maybe failure? Mm-hmm. Or in what ways do you, do you see that? And then how do you lovingly step in and coach that? There's lots of ways that parents do that. It can be in the arena of grades and sports, you know, where the parent hovers over the child and makes sure that they get the grade, you know, I'll do your homework for you if I need to to get you to get the grade. Um, There's ways in discipline situations that parents do that where um, I'm just going to punish you and make a consequence that feels painful enough that you don't want to do it again. And that really communicates, you don't really want to be responsible for what you've made wrong in your misbehavior. I have to punish you to manipulate you and Uh, to do behavior modification. Yeah. Where um, really the central message of you are responsible for your actions is you are responsible to make right what you've made Mm -hmm. wrong. Yes. And so a key piece of that is gently, lovingly, like Nathan the prophet and his story to Daniel or to David. you know, helping kids realize the natural impact of their behavior mm-hmm. on others and then gently guiding them to make it right. Yeah, I mean, this was real life for us as young parents because we got in this cycle with our, with our, you know, our kids are getting kids out the door in the morning and oh, you yeah. know, facilitating that whole thing. And I mean, I, you're, you, you got three, right? Yeah. And they're pretty close together in age, yeah. right? Yeah, well, that was our deal and just mayhem, right? And, yes. and, and we, uh, we made our kids lunches. Yeah. Uh, they were a part of that. And then, and then inevitably, right, the, the lunch gets forgotten. And yeah. our schools aren't that far away. And so we'd get in this pattern of, Mom, you know, I'd get a call from the yeah. school. I forgot my lunch. And then... You know, mom couldn't do it because she was at work and I'd get the call or whatever. And then we'd run them over their lunch. And then and then we'd tell them, you know, this I'm not going to do this again. Yeah, yeah the last time. <laughs> That's the last time we're going to do that. And, you know, you're going to be on your own. And then, you know, it, it would be long enough between yep. this time and the next time that it was like, oh, right. Well, they got it right for, you know, a week or two or whatever. And then we did happen again and again and with different kids and different kids. And then it was like, 
we finally figured out, you know, the kids had just figured out if we put that quarter in that machine, we're going to get the thing out that we want to get out. So we would, we just basically said, so here's here's the deal. We truly mean it this time. You're on your own for lunch. Want to make you, want to help you make a plan for what you're going to do if you forget your lunch. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, they haven't learned. I mean, we told them that, but they haven't learned it yet. The yeah. way they're going to learn it is by what they experience. And when they experience the loss, you know, they forgot their lunch. Boy, that's really hard, isn't it? You forgot your lunch. Uh, well, aren't you going to bring it? I'm going to be hungry, and I got something after school. And wow, that's really you know. Instead of the give-in thing, because I don't want my kid to be yeah. hungry, and I yeah. don't want them. Uh, but we, you know, there's the discipline where I need to figure out how to be okay, even if my child is not. And that empowers me to say, you know, um, this is the day that uh, I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. I love you so much that I'm going to follow through on what we said. Yeah. And, and you remember the plan we made for you? Uh, I don't want to ask friends for food. Well, you don't have to if you don't want, but right. that, that was your plan. And right. let's talk about it when you get home. No big deal, right? Like that. So, I mean, that was hard. Uh, but once, once we did it, it was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, it's power. <laughs> I mean, in a good way. Yeah. Well, no, it's about, it's awesome because, yeah. because they, they're starting to learn and they truly are starting to take responsibility. And I mean, one, they, they, they all figured out one of them just never forgot lunch anymore. And yeah. The other two figured out how to get lunch if they forgot their right. lunch. And, and they made it. They were fine. They solved their own problem without me solving it for them. But I love that. Like connected kids have parents who set some boundaries, yeah. but who help brainstorm ideas and plans in case mm-hmm. they make a mistake. I mean, that, that feels yeah. connected to me. That feels like you're building capability. And that what yeah. a disconnected kid, I would assume, this is you know, sort of the other extreme maybe, but like, I don't care if you don't, you know, and just, hey, I'm not making your lunch ever. And I don't care yeah. if you, I mean. Right, right. Yeah, there's a popular parenting program that's, we, we, we love it, but it often gets misused. So, you know, like, well, if your child forgets their lunch, then they don't get lunch. And then the parent sort of is, I mean, coached to respond, well, bummer, yeah. you know, and if there's that edge to it, that, huh, Bummer. Yeah. So you're experiencing the natural consequences of not being responsible, huh? <laughs> Too bad. Right. You know, if there's any condescension. Of, if there's yeah. any of that condescending attitude in it, it just mm. you got to think through the messages that are under the right. surface. I'm glad you got caught. I'm yeah. glad you failed. Right. Right. You know, Come on. I'm against you, not for you. Yeah, and those right. are just really hurtful messages. So parents can do the right action with the a condescending heart mm. and send really hurtful messages in the process. I agree. Wow. So you want to see this role play? Should we do it again? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, that's right. We didn't review that. So, um, so yeah, now I'm the dad and I went to, you know, I, I, I read the book and I'm going to work <laughs> on this. And, and I really want to be, I mean, I really do. I got good intentions for my kids and I'm recognizing, gosh, that's not how I want to be and I, that's not the messages I want them to get. But, I mean, here we are. We got a, a 10-year-old and a 15-year-old and there's some history here and there's some baggage here and we're not going to fix this right here, right now, right today in the first go. And I'm not going to exemplify, I have no idea what I'm going to do yet, by the way, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to exemplify the right way to do it. I'm just going to, I'm going to do the best I can to be present with this different way of thinking, informing my heart and my spirit and even a dependence on God. Okay, God, we're, how, can I, how can I be a message of grace to my kids in this struggle right now? How can I make sure they know they're safe, they're loved, they're, they're called, they're capable, and they're responsible to sort this out uh, in a way that moves them to, to, to believe those messages? That's my goal. Yeah. So same scenario, start over. Okay. You do your thing, listen to your music. Could you please shut your music off to the worst just music relax. I have ever heard in my It's not the worst music. You have that like headbanger hey, stuff that just oh, drives me crazy. Hey, stuff. Oh, oh, kids, do I need I, to stand between you? I, I'm home. Good to see you. Dad. Good to see you. I'm trying to get her to stop. Hold on, hold on. I can only hear one at a time. Who would that, you know, right ear, left ear. He's picking on me about my music. I was just. Hold on, hold on. What? Come here, I'm going to. Put my arm around you and just gently, because okay. you're receiving it. If you weren't receiving it, I, I'd, I'd let you back away a little bit. <laughs> a little narration yeah. to supplement exactly. the audio. Uh, hun, um, let's just check something here once. Steve, when she when she's loud like that, is that easy for you to hear? Or would you like her to talk oh. a little softer about what, what yeah, she wants? Yeah, and the whole problem is it's so loud. I can't mm. hear anything. So so hold on. Hold on. What? what did you hear him say? 
He said it's so loud he can't hear anything. Yeah, and so what I do you just think? was listening to my I know, music. I understand. Uh, I was just listening to my music a little louder. Yeah, that's better. You're quiet. Now, what did you hear her say, Steve-O? She was, she was listening to her music loud. Yeah, you're, it's just what you said. Yeah. Just what you said. So you guys have some ideas about how to solve this little, this little argument you're in? Well, I don't know. Do you know. have an I... idea how you can help him not be annoyed by this loudness and still listen to your music? Uh, well, I was here first, so maybe if he oh. came in and he doesn't like it, we could figure out different places to go or what something. What do you think but of that idea, But he just idea, started Steve? yelling at me right just away. Just figure out different places to be. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, you know, if, well, it does, but, I mean, if you had your door closed. Well, I can do that. You know, that would help. Okay. Maybe you should get Dad's noise-canceling headphones and listen to your own headbang music. Well, that's that's a different conversation. (laughs) That would be awesome. That's a great idea. (laughs) Hey, Knuckle Steve. (laughs) We we (laughs) start thinking about how you'd earn the money for those here when we're done. Oh. Yeah. So again, we can play this out. We go a whole bunch of different ways. But as kids, what was what did you notice? How did you feel different in a little dumb role play, right? But what was different? What did you experience differently this time as it relates to messages you were getting from me compared to the first time? Well, you were actually listening more than you did the first time. Mm. Yeah. And definitely you, you, you weren't, you weren't vying for volume. Yeah. Yeah. And you were listening. I mean, you asked questions. Yeah. Yeah. And when you needed to, to kind of reel me in a little bit, it wasn't like, now stop talking. Blah, blah, blah. You didn't try to talk over me. It was just, oh, oh, oh here. you know, you yeah. were very, it was a very calming presence. So, so just quickly, maybe an answer to, um, <clears throat> what did I do to communicate the message you're safe? And you've already said some of it, I think. Yeah. Let's think through that lens. Well, you came in peacefully and your voice was lower mm-hmm. um, and much more connective, although that's, mm-hmm. you know, moving into the your love yeah. message. So, Steve, pick up there, yeah. your, the you are love message. Did you yep. get any of that, even in subtle ways? Well, yeah, I mean, because it wasn't like um, you didn't quickly try to solve the problem, like, just stop listening to your music. Can, you know, it drives your... Bro- I mean, that would have been judging. That would have been... Um, and you didn't shut me down for mm-hmm. picking on my little sister, even though mm-hmm. I kind of was. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about the message you're, you're called, you're capable and I, you know, I, I, kids, do you know that you're called to God's purpose? <laughs> that, that was not present right. exactly, but but that's why we put capable in there because capable is a part of calling. So how did you get the message you're capable? Well, there's a lot of questions mm-hmm. which elicited our thinking, yeah. and then you eventually put it in our in our court to solve, which really communicates both the message yeah. you're capable yeah. and responsible for this. So I mean, that's in a nutshell. That's the deal we share with parents. Yeah. And and do parents get it right away? No. But when 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 parents start to brainstorm, what do I want to do different next time? Instead of going back to how do I what do I do to get my kids to behave better next time, the question that that parents start to to sort of sort out is what could I do to better communicate these four messages to my kids when they have that squabble? And that's the conversations Lynn and I started having early on. Uh, that's the parents we. Uh, that's the question we invite parents to have with each other when they start to do their problem solving about the ways that they get stuck. Is what are the messages we want to be receiving for us and passing on to our kids, even when they squabble? And uh, you know, that's the, when when parents sort of steep in and start learning and, and committing to to thinking this way about parenting. Some of them, and we get emails every day, are astounded at what happens in them. Yeah, and the peacefulness that they feel like like. My kids, and some will say, you know what, my kids aren't really behaving all that differently right now. Yeah. But I just feel so much more settled about the parent I'm becoming, and I'm, no. and and I'm I'm uh, I'm confident that God is going to use this process. And then the parents who once said that, and then they keep keep at it, and you know later on will say, you know, my kids, they they know how to argue respectfully now. They want to take mm-hmm. their own timeouts when they know they're not safe yeah. with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we had one parent. Uh, report to us last week that um, we teach this thing called the peace process a little bit in the book and um, the, the dad was intervening in the conflict between a three and a five-year-old and the then the three-year-old had picked on the five-year-old and been rude and physical and inappropriate and dad was not going to have any part of this and they've been trying to learn the peace process and the five-year-old who had been hit by the little brother says daddy don't give him a timeout. Can we do the peace process? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
like that's what happens yeah. and it's a steeping it's not a quick fix um, yeah. but it, it's but a it's long, it's a long fix. and a lasting sort of an approach that parents tell us over and over again has helped that's what compelled us to write this stuff yeah so discipline that connects with your child's heart based on these four brilliant uh, foundational truths that you can communicate to your kid you've been in it for a long time what are some of the long-term effects that you've seen in parents mm. and in kids you share some of those of your own mm-hmm. your own kids but what are yeah what are some of the long-term effects that you have seen hmm. well it's really interesting it's like <clears throat> if parents persist at leading with grace um, their kids concrete story honey he's asking a concrete eventually question. follow so <laughs> we had we had a mom who came to us and um was i safe yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk later. <laughs> but a mom um, who was just desperate with her son, who had all sorts of some sensory issues, some emotional issues, was physically aggressive. She was looking for out-of-home placement, and she was wow. just despairing about that. Um, and then she got a hold of our book, mm-hmm. and little by little... She just recognized this is what I want to do. I've been trying to just manage his behavior, and he's increasingly resentful and angry and combative. She said, this is the way I want to parent. And that began a trajectory change that really took several years but brought such peace Mm -hmm. and connection in their home that it was Mm -hmm. just amazing to to watch that process. There was one gal who went through this. In fact, it was one of the gals who was like really wary of this message, you are loved no matter what. Hmm. And she she, um, she she talked about how, you know, that's just, that seems like if you love a kid when they misbehave, it's just going to make them want to misbehave even more. And yeah. she was scowling a little bit. But she had an incident um, where she, uh, her, her daughter was playing with a soccer ball in the house, which she'd been told a million times not to do. And the soccer ball careened and broke a prize heirloom lamp of the family. And, and the mom rounded the corner just like she always had. And she saw her daughter just cowering in fear because she knew mom's wrath was coming like it always has. And the words you know, that she'd yeah. learned came to her, love her now because this is when it matters. And she stopped and she prayed and, and basically said, Lord, help me to love her now. And then she got down on her knees and she just said, honey, I want you to know that lamp was important to me. But you are so much more important to me. I love you. And little little gal just jumped into her mom's lap, mm. and she sobbed. And then they saw, you know, they solved the problem. I don't remember how exactly, but there's, you know, there was some issue. Like take, now, you're going to take responsibility for what you've done and earn some money and allow. I don't know yeah. exactly what the issue was, but she, she looked. She, we we didn't. We knew that happened at the time, and then we didn't see her for seven years. And then seven years later, we ran into her at a mall, or I can't even remember mm-hmm. where. And she said, you, you guys, I just have to tell you, that moment changed our lives forever. Wow. That teaching um, intervened in our lives where if I had kept going down that road much longer, that little girl, I think, would have been lost to me. Yeah. And I didn't even know what was happening right before my eyes. And, and now, not only does she know that she's loved, but she knows where that love comes from, and she wants to serve God with all her heart. And uh, turns out, now that was when the gal was about 14 or 15 years old, I think. That young lady, daughter, has gone on um, to be an ambassador of Christ's love mm-hmm. as a missionary someplace. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where. Yeah, she's with YWAM. Yeah. But and it was really cool because it changed the mom's heart as well. Yeah. And she, re- she really received healing from God in that moment. Um, and the process that she you know, walked through following that from all the hurt that she'd had from her parents that made it so difficult to love her daughter well in the first place. Yeah. Oh, that is that is just breathtaking, actually. Um, and it's hopeful, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, again, I'm a parent that loses it. Yeah. And that gives me just some things to think about in those moments where, you know, the response could be shaming it could be it come out of just absolute emptiness and um gives me something to talk to mary about and uh so it's so good so okay last question you guys uh is there anything that you hoped i would have asked you that i didn't ask you maybe just our hopes for the future with this oh yes we are so excited (laughs) Sorry. Wow. Missionaries, you talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, man. yeah. Um, well, it's it's a tender spot for both of us. We uh, 
by the miracle of, of the internet and how that all works, uh, we've had opportunities to have the message shared with people through our blog posts, uh, a little bit through an online course that we've put together and we offer uh, to anybody for whatever they, I mean, it's a suggested rate, but if you can't afford it, tell us and we'll give it to you for whatever you can afford. And, and uh, uh, some folks on the mission field a year or so ago just said, we got, we got no money, but mm. it was even two years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. And we got no money. And we've got some friends who are missionaries. A couple of our best friends are, are lifelong missionaries. And they've told us for a long time, you guys got to take this stuff to the field because families are falling apart there. And, yeah. and they're, they're, they're using a lot of the standard sort of stuff. And it's just, it, they don't understand third culture. They don't understand, you know, it's just a, it's American outcome-based parenting stuff. And it's not helpful, a lot of it. And uh, so this family in Asia got a hold of this and got turned upside down and dad you know who was the firm you know, so sort of represented the, the role that I set up um, just realized he, he was a big source of his kids anxiety their frustration they're wanting to not live here anymore we want to go home and be with our relatives mm. and you know all that stuff and uh, changed his approach uh, to discipline from um, you know the the, the the rigid approach you're gonna to get it. you're yeah. gonna get it and, and and he would just come in when the kids were squabbling and he would say kids 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 we are gonna be a safe and loving family and what kids don't want to be safe and loving yeah. you know with each other <laughs> and in a home that's safe and loving and uh, he said that that this teaching gave us the bandwidth to have hope about staying on the field mm-hmm. wow we've had opportunities now in in the last year to to go to the field and teach. Uh, this this framework to missionaries um, and really two things have happened two powerful things one is these missionary families there was a Korean dad last year that was at this thing so I, we thought this was just going to be another boring American parenting thing that we were required to go to but boy were we wrong uh, um, he got up in the middle of one of the things and if you know Koreans they're not very expressive so we weren't sure early on in this workshop what what the deal was with this guy and just kind of looking at us and and then he got up in the middle of one of the things and left when we were doing the nest of grace stuff yeah and he just disappeared and i was like oh geez he he must he doesn't lost like, him we lost <laughs> we lost that one <laughs> which happens sometimes yeah, and yeah. for various reasons and i get it um he came back to me well after the session was over he found, he, he made his way and made a point to find me and he just said i'm so sorry for leaving um and it would if you know koreans you know we wouldn't leave a meeting even if we didn't like it because we'd just follow the rules yeah <laughs> yes but i had to leave because the rule you had given me was a rule about how to be graceful with my son and i had to go and apologize to him for how, how i had made his behavior more important than my love for him wow so forgive me for leaving the meeting well i'm like <laughs> yeah he said i was losing my son was and it was my, my fault was, yeah. wow and i had to go be reconciled yeah yeah wow. So that's one part of it. And then, so the healing of the missionary families, but also we've been told time and time again that this model travels cross-culturally like nothing else. Hmm. And just a few weeks ago, we talked with a couple that is going to start translating into the PowerPoints and lecture stuff into Chinese. And they said, the Chinese need this. It's an evangel. It could be an evangelistic tool as well because they are so struggling with their parents. Well, there's a translation project going on um, with this in Indonesia. Some Wycliffe folks are Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like, this this works for us and it works for the people we serve as well. So we have a heart at some point to do whatever we can to support the community. You know, we, we want to support any parent who's hungry for this message, and, yeah. and we want to. We want our website and our resources and our tools and the book. We're you know we're not going to write a lifelong supply of stuff that you have to buy from us. We, we pretty much we've got a core set of things, and we're going to develop them as much as we can and and, um, and make them as easily accessible for as many as are hungry to okay. to parent in this way that we can. That's fantastic. Yeah. So we do show notes for the podcast. So on the show notes is like a, basically a blog, and we'll list the link to purchase the book. We'll list uh, connectedfamilies.org is your website, right? Yep, mm-hmm. that's right. And there's a website, disciplinethatconnects.org, which right. Um, right. is live and it's going to, It's tell me the purpose of that. Well, it's, it's, it's meant to go along with the book. There's an online course that we offer awesome. that goes along with that. Uh, we provide parent coaching kind of along these four messages, as we mentioned. So there's links to information very specific to sort of this this brand discipline that connects Got it. Uh, where the connected families site is much broader yep. and ties into our our blog and 
uh, other resources that we offer. So Okay. So we're going to list a link to buy the book, disciplinethatconnects.org, which is um, all kinds of stuff connected to the book, connectedfamilies.org, which is your broad-based ministry. Mm-hmm. And then um, if we're going to put the link to if people want to subscribe to yeah. your blog, your email list, then they mm-hmm. can do that. Great. Um, so fun to talk to you guys. Your stories are so compelling. Mm. And, um, again, it just reminds me why I've always loved what you do. Yeah. And I, I I do. I think parents honestly are trying their best, Mm -hmm. but we're most often feeling like we're the worst parents in the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, so this, your book and your message is really helping parents to get some tools, but also to remember, um, that we're loved no matter what <laughs> yeah, right. you know? exactly. uh, and that we are called and capable too even mm-hmm. when we lose it and that we're, we're safe with yep, god when we're we've safe blown with god <laughs> yeah no that's a huge deal yeah. and so that's i, I like it because those four things are just true i don't yep. care where mm-hmm. you you know it's like they're true for me they're true for my kids mm-hmm. they're true for relationships and if we can become parents that more and more send those you are yeah. messages to our kids um i think uh it doesn't and again you would never say that guarantees kids become the right. beautiful, oh, right. but it sure helps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it it, it, yeah. it sure helps um, pave the way toward a kid who's going to be um, not just making the right choices, but feeling loved, feeling valued, yeah. knowing their giftings, and feeling responsible for mm-hmm. their actions. Yeah. yeah. So it's so great. Well, thanks so much. Thanks. I've just this has been so fun. Well, it's been fun for us too. Fun yeah. to connect this way with you after some time so oh i love it okay you guys uh grace and peace we always end our podcast or i always end the podcast with this little mantra that that i that i do based on the the core mission of our podcast and it the mantra is this Uh, we are human and holy we are limited and limitless we are dust and we're breath and we're in it together so that's a way of just saying we are Mm. we are (laughs) we lose it and yet we're loved. We lose yeah. it. And we can gain it too. At yeah, the same we time. can get. So, mm-hmm. uh, so thanks you guys. Appreciate it, and uh, can't Love wait it. to see yeah. what this book is going to do in the world. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Steve.